where the Shadow Girls get together to talk about folklore, fairy tales, stories and things we found interesting. I am Emily Collins. I'm Orla Devlin. And I am Georgia Dorley. And today we're going to be talking about Lunasa. There is a heat wave on in Ireland at the minute. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like we, ha- we haven't had rain, which is weird. Yeah. Given that like most of the time it's grey, it's miserable, it's damp. Mm-hmm. That's what we like. That's what mm-hmm. we like. But no, with the heat wave, we are ready to celebrate the summer. <laughs> I'm ready to celebrate the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for autumn. <laughs> so we've had we've had midsummer, midsummer nights eve, midsummer festivals, but we also have another summer festival, Lunasa. Lunasa is a harvest festival. And some of you might, if you like Irish theatre, you might have heard the term Lunasa before because there's a very famous play called Dancing at Lunasa. Mm-hmm. And Orla, you have the appropriate accent. <laughs> Dancing at Lunasa. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a play by Brian Friel. It sort of it focuses on what's his name, Michael, is it? I think Michael's the boy. Yeah, Michael's the boy, and it's just him looking back at uh, all the wonderful women that he knew uh, in his family, the fa- his mother and her four sisters, and their crazy priest, and their crazy priest, and Love just it. sort of um, that l- what life was like back in Donegal in the day, and it finishes with the women dancing uproariously yeah. at Lunasa. Yeah. <laughs> so Lunasa, it's a it's a f- harvest festival. It's a harvest festival um, associated with the god Lu in Ireland, but there's harvest festivals all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, anywhere where people harvest things, they celebrate. They have a harvest festival, <laughs> and most of the traditions they're all quite similar at harvest festivals. Uh, there's dancing, there's games, it's celebration, but there's also offerings. Offerings of normally what the things you're going to harvest in, so mm-hmm. fruit, berries, grain, and you see a lot of corn dollies. Corn dollies, and they're yeah. they're always called corn dollies, even though they're not always made of corn. Sometimes they're made of wheat or barley or thing. Corn just seems to be a generic. It's a mm. thing we've harvested. Yeah, and it yeah. sounds cute, doesn't it? Does. It's corn dolly, little corn dollies. But yeah. then you see some of them, and they ca- some of them look like they just look like these really intricate uh, weaving things. And then other ones that are sort of trying to look more human, they look a bit Blair Witchy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the, it, oh, it kind of looks like the Wicker Man or something, you yeah. know, like it's really pagan in these. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, they, I suppose they are really pagan. They are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like the whole idea of like human sacrifice was we're giving you this life so you give us more life. And this is sort of like a toned down version of it. Yeah. We're giving you this life giving stuff. So you'll give us more life. Fine. More life-giving stuff. Yeah. 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 No one's getting sacrificed today, boys. <laughs> Unless things go really, really bad. <laughs> Unless we don't get more rain. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in Ireland, we have Lunasa. Uh, Lunasa, it's the Festival of Lou, or rather the Assembly of Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was to commemorate his foster mother. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's not actually celebrating him. It's celebrating his, the woman who raised him, which I think is a nice thing. Who gave him life. Who gave him life, indeed. Yeah. Or yeah. helped him hold on to life. <laughs> helped him hold on. <laughs> Survive yeah. life. Yeah. In uh, Celtic mythology, there's a lot of fostering, mm-hmm. uh, which was partly like people being taken hostages for sort of peace agreements, but also this idea of sort of community and like, if you raise my child and I raise your child, it's fo- bonding our community. And also, I know things you don't know and I can pass those on to your children. Yeah, um, kind of like it takes a village to raise a child. It is, that mm, type it is. Of, and I, yeah. I, I quite like that in the, the Celtic mythology. You talk about like a lot of these, you know, if he went to see his foster mother or his foster father came to help him. And I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, so do I. It gives yeah. a real sense of like a mentorship. Yeah, yeah. Or something, everyone you know? needs a mentor. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> so Lou's foster mother was, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong because it's written in Irish. <laughs> it's not Talia. Tolti? Tolti. Tolti. Yeah, we'll go with that. Tolti. Yeah. <laughs> His foster mother was Tolti, and um, 
well, in the book Invasions, which we've talked about before, she shows up as a fearbolic princess who sort of survived the invasion of the Tuatha Dé Danann and stuck around, and she raised him. Um, there's sort of this idea that she might have been an old pre-Celtic earth goddess mm -hmm. and that she's very much associated with earth and the story goes that Lou held this festival as her funeral because she died of exhaustion after clearing a load of planes and things to make the ground suitable for farming. Oh. So she sort of yeah, gave her life so that the earth could have life. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, with a lot of like the old um, gods and pre-Celtic gods, they're not exactly sure about a lot of them, so they have this sort of vague idea. Um, Celtic gods are weird in that, um, particularly in Ireland, they sort of weren't worshipped like the Greek and Roman gods who had like, you knew what Zeus's job was and you knew what he was responsible for and you knew where the temple of Zeus was and who the priest of Zeus was. Celtic gods were more sort of like the personification of the thing. Um, yeah. They yeah, were yeah. the thing and they could die and be reincarnated or not or go into the other world or come back and they just sort of hung around in the story. Mm -hmm. They were kind of... Just like in the ether, yeah. like just all. Yeah, it's, it's like they're they're deities, but they're less godlike. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of harder yeah. to, to pin down. You yeah. don't have an address to send them. The Was that the thing them. that we talked about in the book of invasions, where like when the Celts came in, they sort of, uh, what's the word like de oh, degraded or no? What's the, uh, oh yeah, whatever. when when Christianity came in, it did degrade a lot of the Celtic and uh, Gaelic, Gaelic, whatever the word is. Yeah. Um, society and religion before and because. A lot of stuff wasn't written down. Yeah. You sort of mm. have to piece together. <laughs> I told you not to snore. It happens. <laughs> we sort of mm. had to piece together bits and pieces from the stories, but it seems like the, they didn't have temples and things. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's they did have places how... where they were said to live. Yeah, it's interesting how those are sort of previous gods mm. seem to, and their stories seem to have filtered down through, and there's yeah. this sort of mishmashing. It sort like... of hangs on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah. And they had great festivals and things, people still wanted to have a party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's still, it really, you can see the connection in sort of Irish Catholicism. Oh, yeah. Specifically, Irish Catholicism with is totally pagan. It's completely yeah. pagan, completely holds on to our sort of pre Celtic and paganistic yeah. St. Patrick history. walking through all of the, uh, <laughs> all of the Irish folklore. <laughs> just any time, it's just Patrick in the back. Background, like yeah. how you laugh. Oh, I like that. Uh, bit. Do you mind if I borrow that little bit of your plot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. go on, I'll have that there. But yeah. you have to become a Christian. <laughs> uh, so, Talia, not Talia, Talti? Talti? Talti. Talti was Lou's foster mother, but Lou, he was the champion of the Tour de Danon, and he was seen as the god of sort of the sun, god of brightness, and also god of craft and skill and all that stuff. There's a lot of overlap in the Celtic gods. Like nearly half the goddesses are goddesses of sovereignty, as well as something else. <laughs> you, like if you find a Celtic god, good chance, sovereignty, fertility, or war. Those were their three big things. Yeah, the three here. They liked three kings. They liked babies, and they liked killing people. <laughs> makes a good society. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes good stories. Yeah, it makes good stories. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've got a few stories of Lou, mm -hmm. including his birth, his death, and his fertilizing. Patronage? Actually, uh, making babies. His continuation. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of covers our, our, our themes of um, sovereignty, fertility, and, <laughs> and killing. And war. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to kick things off with the story of Lou's birth. Mm -hmm. And I find this story interesting because there's a lot of different versions of it, but this is the version I like. And it does borrow from a lot of other myths and things. You'll see a lot of similarities. So it starts with Balor. Balor was the king of the Fomorians, or one of their kings, and he had his base on Tory Island, and 
the Fomorians were totally not Vikings. Uh, the Fomorians <laughs> were demonic pirate things, and a lot of them were described as being hideous, monstrous, giant, but some of them were quite beautiful. Um, Balor was on the, the hideous side, and he had his baleful eye. He was known as Balor the Baleful Eye, which I think is a brilliant title. It is. <laughs> like, if you're going to be a supervillain, go for a name like that. Uh, Balor got his baleful eye because he spied on some druids when he wasn't meant to, and the potion they were brewing up, the fumes of it hit him in the face and gave him a gigantic eye in the centre of his forehead, that if he looked at you with this eye, you would fall down dead. So it was pretty useful. If you're, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, he went around, you know, killing people, taking two-thirds of their children, their crops and their money. Uh, and it was prophesied by his wife, Kathleen of the Crooked Teeth. <laughs> Again, another name. Great name. Kathleen of the Crooked Teeth, that he could only be killed by the son of his daughter, Ethel. And... Well, Ethel didn't have any kids at the time. I thought, well, I could kill her. But it seemed that there was a tiny, tiny spark of goodness in Balor's heart that he couldn't bring himself to murder his own daughter. So instead, he built her a tower of glass, locked her in it with 12 handmaidens, and had them guard her and make sure she knew nothing of men. And he thought, well, if she stays perpetually a virgin, she can't have a son. If the son can't come and kill me, I'm immortal now. <laughs> and he went on and uh, did things. And this seems to be a trope of uh, kings thinking, well, if I stop my daughter having a boyfriend, I'll live forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it never works out well. No, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is. And like uh, the Greek myth Perseus, the half of Lou's story seems to have just been lifted from Perseus. <laughs> just a little bit of a... Just, just, just some copy-paste. Yeah, have that, have that. Either, either people copying stories or the whole Jungian universal subconscious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You choose which suits your belief system better. <laughs> uh, so, S was raised up in this tower of glass with 12 women. Knew nothing of men, but she, she felt a longing for something she didn't have. She wanted something. She had a desire that wasn't being fulfilled. Oh. But time rolled by, and back in Ireland, there was a fella called Cian, and Cian had a cow. As all good men do. As all, good, uh, all good Irish stories involve stealing yeah. a cow. And this was a, a magic cow. It was a magic cow that no matter how much you milked it, it would never run out of milk. And this was quite useful. Mm. If you know, if you were a dairy farmer, this was your main source of income. So Balor heard about this cow and decided, I want that cow. And came up with a cunning plan, which involved many disguises and much trickery to steal the cow. And when Kean found out the cow was gone, he decided, right, that's the final straw. You can take our land, you can take our children, but you can't take my cow. <laughs> <laughs> so he decided he was going to sort out Balor once and for all, but he bumped into uh, a druidess on his way, a druidess whose name was Barog, I think. Birog? Uh, Birog. Yeah. He bumped into a druidess whose name was Birog. Uh, Birog was old and wise, and she knew Balor's weakness. She knew he could only be killed by the son of his daughter, Athane. Ethelin. Son of his daughter, Ethelin. There's another, <laughs> there's another princess called Athane, who is a big story. He's son of his daughter, Ethelin. So he said, well... I'll, uh, I'll get your revenge. It might, you know, it might take about 18 years, but we'll get it. <laughs> so she dresses him as a woman. They sail up, land on the little island with the tower of glasses and claim they are shipwrecked and ask for shelter. And at this stage, the 12 women, they've been locked there for a good like, 18, 20 years. They're desperate for a bit of company. <laughs> so they come in and they get chatting and... Uh, Squire. <laughs> so they get chatting and Barog, she makes, says, oh, I'll, make, I'll, put, I'll put the tea on and she makes a sleeping potion and they all drink the tea and fall asleep and when they're asleep Kian can take off his dress go upstairs 
me, Jacqueline, and things happen. They seem to know what to do. <laughs> uh, and nine months later, she gives birth to triplets. Now, Balor hears about this and he is furious. So he storms over, he picks up the three children, he can't even look at them, afraid that if he looks at his grandchildren, he might feel for them. Mm. So he picks them up, he throws them out into the sea, and two of them sink and drown. But Barog is able to catch up one of them in the wind and sweep him over to Ireland. And she, well, she gives him to his father, and his father gives him to... Not Tallulah. Talti? Is that what we call I think so, Talti. Talti? Talti? Because it's like Fulcher, but it's Tulcher. <laughs> yeah, you can see, we, we grew up with these names and we still can't pronounce them. Still, Old Irish is much more difficult yeah. there. Yeah. So, Barrow, um, let's see, he said he gets given to Tulcher and she raises him as her son, but she also, once he's, you know, past the, you know, little baby needs to be carried around every stage, fosters him out to various different foster fathers, each one who has a skill. And so Lou learns all of the skills of Ireland. He learns to be a poet, a harper, a champion, a charioteer, a carpenter, a healer, an astrologer, a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you can learn, he learns. That's very smart of her. I know, yeah. Very, this very was, This was one of the, the big things about the fostering system. Yeah. You could get lots of training from it. It's much better than the leaving cert, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and meanwhile, while Lou is growing up and learning his skills, the two are down and they're deciding they really have to deal with this Fomorian business once and for all. And they'd tried facing the Fomorian before at the Battle of Moitura. And it was there that Nuada, their king, he lost his arm. Mm -hmm. And he became known as Nuada of the Silver Arm because a blacksmith made him a magical silver arm that worked just like a normal arm but was made of silver. So Nuada decides, okay, we need to do a bit more planning this time. <laughs> so he begins to hold a secret council. And to make sure that all their bases are covered, at the council he makes sure he has a man of each skill, a man who knows something so that everyone can bring a unique perspective and they will get all the angles covered. Mm -hmm. And Lou hears that this is going on, that the Tuare Danon are getting ready to face off against the Fomorians, and even though he's half Fomorian, he decides he's going to side with the Tuare Danon. And he goes to Nuada to sort of say, I want to join your team. But at the door, the guard says, well, everyone here has got something no one else can do. What's your special thing? And Lou says, well, I'm, a, I'm an archer. They have an archer. Mm -hmm. Says I'm a charioteer. I've got a charioteer. I'm a healer. Got a healer. Got a druid. Got a astrologer. Got a cartographer. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. They've got they've got someone who can do everything. And Lou thinks for a minute and goes, "Okay. Do you have one man who can do all of those skills?" And they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou is brought in, and he is known as Lou Le Father, which means uh, Lou of the long arm, because he apparently had very long arms. <laughs> And he comes in and Nuada sees that this young man is shining with the hope of the Tuare Danon and he might be their only hope. And he recognises how skilled Lu is, so he hands over leadership of the Tuare Danon to Lu, which is, I think, something quite worth noting and quite interesting in stories because a lot of time when the young, the old king, when a new young challenger comes up, they are intimidated by it. Mm -hmm. But it seems that Nuada he decided what was best for his people rather than what was best for his ego. Which, yeah. I, which I quite like. I really like that. Yeah. That's the yeah. way things should move forward. So they start coming up with their plans and Lou turns out to be a brilliant leader. And one of the things he does is um, the Dagda, who's one of the gods, he has this amazing cauldron that no matter how much you eat from it, it will always be full. 
Sweeter Sides will fill it with healing herbs and it basically becomes a bath that no matter how grievous your wound is, if you're still breathing when you're put into it, you're healed. Mm. So if anyone's seen the film Wanted, it's a bit like that. Magic baths. And this is going well and they finally get ready for their second face-off with the Fomorians, the second Battle of Moitura. And at this stage, Balor, he's been using his baleful eyes so much, he's been killing so many people that every life he takes with the eye, the eye grows. The eye is now enormous. It takes over his head. He has to have a special collar to hold up his neck. And the eye is now so big that there's a an iron... Well, it's probably not iron because they can't deal with iron. It's a metal ring placed in the eyelid. Aha! Yeah. And it takes ten men with a chain to pull open his eyelid. Um. And then another ten men with sticks to point the eyeball in the right direction. Jesus. Yeah, which is... I love that image because it's just so horrible. I know. Oh, it's so like, you can you even hear the sounds of the eye? Yeah, the sort of... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So the Fomorian, they know they've got Balor. They've got Balor's eye. Um, this is their secret weapon. So they're rolling him out and preparing to sort of aim him up, pointing towards the two at a When Lou steps forward and Lou takes a sling and he whirls the swing thing around and around and around his head and suddenly releases it just as Balor's eye is opening. And the stone he throws hits Balor square in his baleful eye, spins it round his head, 180 degrees, so he's staring at the back of his head. Clever. Mm. And anyone that eye looks at falls down dead, and so Balor is killed by his grandson and by his own baleful eye. Yeah. Such a satisfying end. I know. It's such a satisfying end. And then Lou goes on and becomes you know, champion and king of the Tour de Dana for a bit. So you'll notice a lot of other stories in that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like... Well, in a way. Yeah, there's, there's Perseus, there's David and Goliath, there's, there's a whole host of them. Um, which either means that all stories are connected and there's this sort of mono-myth, or that the people who are recording these stories knew other stories and decided to be influenced by them, mm. or maybe were subconsciously influenced by them. Or it's just because they're such universal themes... Mm. That like there's always going to be that that sort of theme of like the the small guy small guy facing the unbeatable odds yeah yeah the, yeah you know and sort of like um the, the cruel tyrannical leader is unearthed by the by the underdog yeah and like being the father being killed by the son and like yeah. that sort of like self fulfilling prophecy of yeah. locking your daughter yourself. in the tower you know that's a favorite yeah so <laughs> don't don't if you're worried that your grandson might kill you don't lock your daughter yeah. in a tower because mm-hmm. like she. Who's to say that she never would have had kids if she wasn't locked in the tower, you know? Yeah. Or maybe she, she would have had kids, but they would have loved their granddad. Yeah. You know? Because they weren't fostered off to... Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. Self-fulfilling prophecy, lads. <laughs> yeah. Just don't do it. Just don't, don't do it. it. So that's that's probably the most famous story about Lou, is about how he becomes the champion of the Tour de Danon. But there's another story about Lou, and it's about how he dies. <laughs> Because Celtic gods die. <laughs> it's a short story. So, George, would you like to, to give us a bash? Give it a whirl. Cool. Okay, so Lou actually had a number of wives at different times because he mm. got around, apparently. Oh, yeah. Handsome leader. Mm-hmm. going to happen. One of which, uh, or one of whom was called Buch. Now, Buch, unfortunately, had an affair with this man called Kermit, who was the son of Dagda. 
Um, Leo unfortunately found out about this and was obviously quite angry because yeah. although he was allowed lots of women, his women weren't allowed lots well, of maybe, men. Well, they you know they were, but you know they had to discuss it beforehand. Oh yeah, she yeah. could have been sneaky. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah, That's yeah. Fair. yeah. Or maybe um, he just really didn't like Kermit. And yeah, maybe like, like oh, come on, just, not yeah. him. Like <laughs> he's a frog. <laughs> What's Miss Piggy going to say? Oh no. <laughs> um, so. That's why Kermit's green. Oh. oh. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> Well, uh, unfortunately, it didn't go very well because Lou um, killed Kermit. Um, now, Kermit, though, had three of his own sons. So, McQuill, who was of the hazel tree, Michet, of the plowshare, and Magrena, of the sun. Now, they decided to kill Lou to avenge their father, another wonderful trick we have in these stories. They then beca- uh, became the High Kings of Ireland altogether, sort of ruling together. Um, and the last two Adedanan kings before the Milesians arrived. Um, their wives were Banda, Fodla, and Eru. Eru? Eru. 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 Um, <laughs> um, they were sovereignty goddesses. And their husbands were quite annoyed when the Milesians arrived because these uh, lovely ladies decided to help the Milesians to take over Ireland um, if the Milesians n- named the country after them. Um, Which is why Ireland has so many names. <laughs> Lots of them. Um, so the Milesians do kill their husbands. And um, when uh, Dagda finds out that his uh, sons have been killed, now he actually cries blood, uh, tears of blood over them. And Kermit uh, <laughs> sort of comes back to life. Yeah, Dagda, Dagda does that a lot. Um, the crying tears of blood is kind of unusual for him, but he is said to, as well as having like the magical I can feed everybody cauldron, he has a club, mm-hmm. and it's said that he could hit you with one end of the club and kill you, and hit you with the other one and bring you back to life. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That sounds like something like an old mammy would say in like yeah. an Irish play, isn't it? It is a bit. Yeah. Dad, Dad does great. Um, he sort of like, I imagine him as, you know the, the Muppet's Christmas Carol? Yeah. yeah. You know the ghost of Christmas present? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what I imagine the Dagda to look like, really big and jolly. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Dagda. I'll slap yeah. you upside yeah. the head. Yeah. Kill you with one end, bring you back to life with the other. Yeah. Although, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, dis- uh, well, also, despite being killed, Lou is um, sort of still alive, because he sort of dies, but sort of doesn't. So he seems to sort of, like, live... Uh, more in the sort of like other more yeah. ethereal world than than in the mortal one. So there's his very complicated death. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they do that a lot. The two of the Dan and the yeah. Lord gods. They yeah. they die off and then whoop nope we're back. Yeah, or like they'll just get cried on with blood and they're back to life again. Yeah. Or, or it's like, like the, the skill. Yeah. Or it's their mortal form dies and then they go off to Tirnanog and yeah, yeah, the fairy yeah. world and yeah, just sort of like live. As a spirit on the land, or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. It's all very nice, though. It's all very much like remembering your dead. And yeah, and mm. um, actually, Dagda, his like big home place was said to be Brunabonia, which is Newgrange. Oh yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is a burial mound, and a lot of the old fairy hills and things which are associated with the Tuatha Dé Danann, they were originally burial mounds. So it was sort oh. of somehow the. St- the dead lived on through these stories and this association of honouring the dead, even if you didn't remember this is where they were buried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they found a huge amount more of those ring forts recently, oh, yeah. actually, because oh, of the drought. Because yeah. something, the, something another one this morning. Oh, another um, one? Was there? Yeah, the journal mentioned something. Oh, my yes. God. 
Yeah, so because of our crazy heat wave at the minute, a lot of the, the greenery has been dying. D- dying, basically. And it's uncovered all of these other sort of ring forts and, and burial mounds. There was one right beside Newgrange, wasn't there? Yes, there was yeah. one really close. What yeah. was it? Oh, the other one? No, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think there was one definitely right beside Newgrange. So, like, mm. Newgrange may be the most famous, but there were millions of them mm. just sort of dotted. And that area, that sort of around Meath, yeah. like, Meath was the, the sort of seen as, like, the heart of Ireland. It was mm. King lived and yeah. tar and all that stuff. So sort of just if you're like driving around there, there's all these hills, but a lot of them they aren't natural hills. They're actually mounds and yeah. remnants of forts and things. It's yeah. really cool. I know it's awesome. There's awesome. also a really nice petting zoo near Newgrange. Oh, is there? Yep, Newgrange yeah. Farm. Aww. I went there when I was a kid when I still oh, really? lived in Dublin. Yeah, <laughs> we went there. We went there at the museum, and they'd got two little puppies called Bubble and Squeak. Oh, so I just cute. sat and played with the puppies all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who goes there to farm? Nearly stole them. Oh. Um, being dead didn't stop Lou though. No, no, mm-hmm. no. Good lord! Even even in the afterlife, he still got he still around. Got around. Didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he had like he had a couple wives mm-hmm. and he had a couple kids, and the most famous of his sons Lou. is the Hound of Ulster. Lived on to be the great saviour of this country. Mm, debatable. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is actually about one of um. Lou's sons, who you may have heard of, Cucullin or Satanta, and this is sort of how he, how he fathered him, and how Cucullin sort of continued on the line of mm. great Irish warriors. You know, so Dictra is that how we're going to say it? Let's say it. Let's say it like that. Dictra was the sister of King Conchobar or King Connor Macnassa of Ulster, and also his charioteer. One day, whilst hunting near Iman Maha, Awan Maha. Awan Maha. What's that mean? Or where um, is it? It was. It was, it was where um, sort of Connor's fortress was. Oh, cool, cool, cool. cool. Um, th- there's a whole other story with the goddess Maha, who they royally pissed off. Unreal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one day, while ha- hunting near Awan Maha. Dictera became lost in a strange mist. She found herself wandering through snow till at last she found shelter. There she fell asleep and dreamt loads of strange dreams. Conqueror, looking around for his sister, finally um, uh, gets a bit worried and he orders a massive search of the entire Ireland. Um, so he sends out all of his warriors and all the family and just puts out a massive search. And they couldn't find her until a year later, um, a flock of white birds at last led the Red Branch Knights, which was uh, King Connor's uh, army, to Brunaboyna. Brunaboyna, thank you, Emily, which is, as we said, Newgrange. Two of the birds are linked together by a silver chain. They find a strange house um, and are greeted by a beautiful man who shows them great hospitality, invites them in, gives them a cup of tea. Conqueror asks if there is a woman of the house, saying if there is one, he'd like to sleep with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, I mean, as the High King of Ulster, I suppose you could. You yeah, know? That, that was kind of like, you know, there's this sort of medieval um, pseudo-historical thing of um, the right of the first night. What's it? It's got a name in Latin. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot. Droit de Seigneur. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the sort of like, they don't think that really happened a lot of the time, but Connor, he certainly did. It. He certainly did. <laughs> he liked getting around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Whether the woman wanted to be with him or not, he decided he was God's gift to to, to women. Yeah. yeah. Sure, I'm in your house now. You may as well. Welcome here. I've got yeah. lovely calves. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, he he asked, you know, go on work to your mom. Um. Uh. Because that was just a thing that he did. The beautiful man replies that his wife is here, but she unfortunately is about to give birth. So really, not um, <laughs> not the ideal time. Not the ideal time to to get with the high king. Do you know? Uh, Conqueror is a bit disappointed, but he and the men of Ulster drink long into the night until they all fall asleep. So the man's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, you know, unfortunately, my wife can't." service you but uh here come on let's sit down have a drink still have a good time yeah let's see let's see how this goes fine apparently i don't need to be there helping no 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 (laughs) look there's you have a guest do you know know, and you you have the guest who's the king of ulster and well the red branch knights they're they're known for (laughs) they're known for having a fight for having a fight yeah so uh they all drink long into the night and they fall asleep at the house and great night was had when they wake up snoring (laughs) Um, when they wake up they find that they're not in fact in a house but lying on top of the mound of New Grange next uh, next to Conquerbar wrapped in his uh, his cloak is a woman it's his sister it's Deictera with a newborn baby Um, so Conquerbar's a bit like what did I drink last night (laughs) (laughs) what in the name of God is going on um, Deictor explains that she'd spent a year in the other world as the lover of Lou. Ooh. Ooh. It's a bit like uh, oh, Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> um, she sent the, the white birds to bring Conquerbird to her as she wanted her son to be raised by an Ulsterman, who doesn't, and eventually joined the Red Branch Knights. But Conquerbird came too early. If she had spent a year and a day in the other world without seeing her kinsmen, she would have been allowed to stay there forever, which was like the rule. It was like a trial wedding yeah. type thing, trial marriage. Um, but unfortunately, he arrived, her brother arrived a day early, Ooh, so God. she'll never be allowed to return to the other world or to see the face of Lou again. Oh. Um, Deictor called her son um, Lucitanta. And Satanta, we all know, became Ku Cullen. And Emily's just written here, there's another version of this story with much more suspected incest and infanticide. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Connor and his sister had a very close relationship. Oh no. Oh, oh no. But, no. Well, she was his charioteer. And yeah. like your charioteer, they were the one who drove you into battle. They looked after your arm and stuff. It was a, it was a close relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the fact that she was his charioteer, and it's not really remarked on that. Oh, he had a woman charioteer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like shows that women were warriors at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more that she's the king's sister. Shouldn't she be mating a political alliance somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> but they they had a very close relationship, and she had this sort of miraculous pregnancy, mm-hmm. and sort of claimed that you know the father was a god, and people were like, hmm, I not sure I believe that. And she spends a lot of time with Connor, and Connor, Connor has a libido. <laughs> Could it? Could it so be? there was this sort of whisper thing that rumors that at the time that it might have been him, mm-hmm. mostly stories of rumors that it might have been him because they were very close. And in one version of the story, she does marry another fellow while she's pregnant, mm-hmm. and this guy is like, I'm not too <laughs> comfortable about the fact that my wife is carrying another ch- man's child, and I think it might be her brother's. Oh. And so, if but I can, he's the king. I know, but if I can remember the wording of this right, she 
crushed the child within her till she was like a virgin again. So she sort of like sucked in her stomach and... Um, which I, I don't think you... Uh, but then the child is still Kuhalan, which is still the yeah. son of Lou. So there's a lot of things like... There's a lot of things like if you swallow someone when they're in transformed form, you give birth to them. Okay. So it's sort of like... She almost put the pregnancy on hold for a second. Okay. Uh, that that's in one version. I can't yeah. remember uh, which version I read that of, but yeah, there's um. Yeah. Would you stop snoring? <laughs> you were awake when you snored there. Yeah. <laughs> it's because we're talking about Kuhalan, and Kuhalan got his name by killing a dog, which is why the dogs don't like him. Exactly. Yeah. I don't like him either. Oh <laughs> no, Kuhalan's my fave. I do. I do like his story. Yeah. Like I like some of his stories, but it's sort of like he was very. He was fostered out to a lot of people, but mm-hmm. like. His his main male mentor was King Connor, mm-hmm. Connor Macnessa, who um, are not like he's he's the villain in Dear to the Sorrows because he yeah. basically decides this girl's yeah. this baby's going to grow up to be the most beautiful in the world, so I'm going to force her to marry me, and when she finds someone else, I'm going to pursue it and make loads of people break the roads and things. He's not a great guy, especially no. when it comes to the treatment of women. Yeah, uh, like his yeah. his ex is Queen Maeve. And yeah. Because Maeve said that she would uh, she would only marry a man who was as uh, generous as her, as brave as her in battle, and was without jealousy. <laughs> Connor didn't meet that criteria, so they divorced. <laughs> Actually, on Luna's and marriage, there. Yeah, I was just. Yeah. I think you were gonna say yeah, yeah, the trial yeah, marriage, yeah, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So, because when I was reading the the story of how Kukonlin is born, said that uh, Deirdre is in the other world for she has to be there for a year and a day um because then it'll be sort of like set in stone and they actually carried that tradition to the lunasa festivals because is it, people would get married yeah you could have like a trial I marriage think it was in one place you could you could if two people went through a, a wooden door together they could be sort of trial married mm-hmm. and they had to stay together for a year and a day and if they liked each other they could stay they, married but if they didn't sure look We'll just call it off there. Yeah, I think that sounds great. I think that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, like, okay, year and a day, let's try it out. Let's see how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's see, are we compatible? And then at the end, it's like, look, I gave my best shot, but, you know, I, th- I think it's best we both go our ways. And everyone just goes and goes and just grand. Goes, yeah, and then you have another trial wedding at the at the next yeah. Lunasa Festival. But I think you have to, like, wait a, like, a, just under a year in between mm. because of the year and a day. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's, I think that to me sounds like a... I know, like the Lunasa festivals of old sounded really, really cool. Yeah. Like eating, drinking, dancing, and yeah. uh, people getting married, yeah. you know, making sacrifices. You regret the arrival of Christianity. And it will, but... um, Chris- Christianity actually has a harvest festival, um, Lammas Bride. Oh, is it? Yeah, like your Lammas Bread. It's mm-hmm. uh, mostly done in England, but sort of. And it was basically the festival where you, you made very fancy bread. Okay, yeah. Because bread is from the wheat that you're yeah. harvesting in and you made the fancy bread and it was to celebrate, look, the harvest is coming in, we've got bread, things mm-hmm. are going well. Mm. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, because, yeah. and we were talking about this before, like our own sort of continuation of Lunasa, doggos, um, would be like the climbing of Croapatric. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's done, that's the last Sunday of July or like the closest Sunday yeah, to, to the 1st of August. Yeah. Um, and if you guys haven't heard of Croapatric, it's a hill in, I don't know, it's what a, county it's in? Uh, it's a mountain somewhere? I, th- I think it's in uh, Connacht. 
It's so yeah, somewhere in the west. Which means that it's really stony. Really, really mm-hmm. stony, and you have to um, climb it barefoot. And some, and some people sometimes you're like bring like a stick to help you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to climb all the way up to the top barefoot, and then you have to run back down. And I you think have to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in the olden days, I think they used to like even like self-flagellate. Because ah. and it's this, it's so it would be like the the Christian version of some kind of like summer festival but in old Lunasa like Celtic Lunasa festivals it was all centred around mm. climbing hills and having a festival on top of hills yeah. so that's how the Catholic brought um, shame yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well they just sort of you know bo- borrowed pick and, cho- pick and chose yeah 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 pick and chose what, what they wanted to do um, and then there's also another modern one that well it's not modern but one that still continues nowadays the Puck Fair in Kerry um, it happens in and around the same time like last week July start of August and it's where this town in Kerry get a wild goat call it the king of the village <laughs> for for the week or for three it's a three-day festival so they call it the king of the village for like a three days and they also name a local girl the queen of the village and um does she, does she marry the goat I, I don't know if there's a ceremony like i really don't know if there's <laughs> some kind get, of like, sort of paraded around the village for a while yeah they sort of like there must be some sort of crowning ceremony yeah. i don't know there is and it's um and like the, at the end of it it all culminates like they have to catch the goat and then they put him on top of this big man-made structure in the middle of the village. Oh god, they don't set it on fire, do they? No, they no. don't. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm, I'm reading the the ritual, which is the thing the Wicker Man was based on. So I've, no, no, I've no, kind of no. got that image in my head. No, mm. no, no. Um, I like, and then they just like celebrate and like praise this uh, this goat. Yeah, this goat. Nice. You know, and he's called King Puck. Ah, oh, King Puck. King Puck. I wonder if that's connected to Robin Goodfellow, Puck from Midsummer. Maybe. We need to ask Kate about this. We do. We need to track yeah. down Kate. We do. Um, actually, on, on Kings in... Oh, sorry, no. It's Puck from Male oh, Goat Puck. Yeah, oh, in okay. Irish. Yeah. Oh. Rats. <laughs> sorry, Kate. Kate. Sorry, Kate. <laughs> though, though I'm sure you can make a thesis out of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Kings in Ireland, uh, Tory Island, where Balor had his base, still has a king. It does. There's still really? the king of Tory yeah. Island. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what he does other than... Does he have a chain of office or a name I th- badge? I think he does have like some kind of... Um, ceremonial. Ceremonial mm. something or other, you know? But it's um, it's not an inherited position. It's a, it's an elected kingship. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah, which is actually how the... Where can I apply? I think, uh, I think <laughs> you have to live on Tory Island. Yeah. So I could move, you know. Um, yeah. The current king is Patsy Dan Rogers. <laughs> King Patsy. Uh, he has no formal powers, though duties include being a spokesperson for the island and welcoming people to the island. Aww. So he's just a nice fella. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's just all yeah. Donegal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They have a guel tuck there yeah. and everything. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, traditionally, kings in Ireland, uh, they were very rarely inherited. Like, to be high king of Ireland, uh, you, you were chosen from among the other kings. But yeah. there's a long tradition of, like, uh, Lou gets killed by the three brothers and then they become shared high king like if you look at like the the history of the kings it's basically you killed my dad so i'm killing you now i'm king now your son comes along and kills me so he's king Mm. but my son's going to come along and kill him so he's king but then that guy's son is going to come along and kill that guy so he'll be king and it's it's just this sort of never-ending cycle i know you killed my dad but you killed my dad well I'll kill you. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. never ends. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I do. I do like Lou and I like Lunasa and I like the idea of a, of a summer festival. I think it's quite yeah. Yeah. celebratory. It's quite nice, isn't it? Mm. And we should all just go do a rain dance. Yeah. <laughs> or burn ferns. Burn ferns. I was told burn ferns. I was told by someone that if you, there's a folk tradition that if you burn fern, it brings rain. Oh my goodness, well, I don't I know. know where to find some fern, and I'm going to set it ablaze. My sister has a, a fern, Burgle the Fern, he's a pot plant, and he's the longest living pot plant, but... Okay, I won't <laughs> if, if, if it doesn't rain soon, Fergal's days might be numbered. <laughs> mm, I will sacrifice Fergal. <laughs> Make a little corn dolly out of him. <laughs> Just yeah. do a rain dance. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so that's us. I hope you have a very happy Lunasa. I hope you dance at Lunasa. Mm-hmm. Uh... What is it she keeps saying to the... The only bit I remember out of Dancing at Lunasa is... Chick, 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 chick. <laughs> One of them keeps... She, her, she feeds the chickens, but she's always talking to them. Going, chick, 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 chick. <laughs> and she, she has, her the brother's been a missionary and, she has, and he's talking about, you know, his time in... And, and she's like, how do you say chick, chick, chick in Swahili? <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So yeah. uh, there's a film with Meryl Streep in it. There is, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Go watch the film. Yeah, make that your Lunasa celebration. Yeah. So I have been Emily Collins. I have been Orla Devlin. I have been Georgia Doyley. And we are Sounds from the Shadows. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on various social medias. On Twitter, we are Shadow Tales. On Facebook and Instagram, we are Tales from the Shadows. Yeah, it's complicated. Tales from the Shadows on the social media. Sounds from the Shadows on the podcast. It made sense at the time. Now it's just confusing. And if you liked this, uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And hang around for the next few seconds because we have our first promo. (gasps) From the Good Nightmare podcast. And uh, stay safe. (laughs) Hey everyone, this is Sarah from Good Nightmare podcast. A podcast where I like to talk about all things strange and unusual, whether it's mysteries, historical crimes, or fairy tale origins. I hope you'll come along for the ride and join me as we delve into some spooky tales. Happy listening!